Okay, if you have your Bibles, go to 2 Peter 1.3. You know, I struggle what to call this uh, message this morning. I'm still talking about what I've been talking about, which is, you know, precious to me are your thoughts, O oh Lord. So if I was going to give it a title this morning, it would be Taste and See That the Lord is Good. <clears throat> and uh, how many of you know we do need to taste? Because out of tasting, you see a lot of things. It's true. In the Bible, it says this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, His divine power has given us everything. So there is a power that can supply to your life everything that you need, lack. I didn't say give you to everything you want. I said there is a power beyond you that can supply to your life and is supplying and does supply everything that we need for life and for godliness. Yes? Through our knowledge of him. So it's what you know about the one you serve will determine what is supplied to your life. Yes? How many times have we said, oh, I didn't know that was available. I didn't know that I could have, you know, especially in insurance. I didn't know I could have claimed for that. I didn't know that was available. I didn't have that information. So I didn't know. So therefore, I still lacked. I was still in need because I did not know what was available to me. This is the key of Christianity. So many Christians do not know what has been made available and is available on open tap. You know, they call the internet, don't they, open source. In other words, it's there for anyone. Now, there are some aspects of the internet where you might need passwords <coughs> to go into. And uh, certainly, if you look at the dark side of the dark force of the internet, it's called the dark web, you've got to be twisted to not even play with that stuff. But for most of us, it's an open source access where information, that's when the creator of the internet gave it to Mankind as a gift so that news and information could no longer be contained by governments and dictatorships. So that it's out there, but it hasn't stopped China, and it still hasn't stopped Iran, and it still hasn't stopped other nations censoring the internet. But for the majority of us, it's open source. Amen? God has created an open source communication. It's open source. It's, it's, it's available to all of us. And his divine power has supplied everything you need and everything you lack and everything you need, I should say. Not want. I really want to be careful that we don't put that word wanting because you won't get everything you want. Because not everything you want is good for you. God is not your sugar daddy. God knows what you need. God knows what you lack. Any good father... Any good father would not supply everything their children want because they know that that is a recipe for disaster. So what do kids do? They moan, they whinge. Well, that's fine, but still knows no. Well, can I have another biscuit? No. Why? Because you didn't eat your tea. But I promise next time, I don't care. No. You've got to teach them the principle. Eat your tea, and then you might get something too. You know, to a sweet afterwards. So he says... He supplied everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. God's glory and his goodness called you. Yeah. 
You didn't do anything for yourself. Salvation was a free gift. All you had to do was choose. Amen? And the faith you needed to choose was given to you so that you can't boast later on. So he supplied even the faith. He supplied the goodness, the grace, the redemption, and all those other things that were supplied. He gave it to you. Through these, he has given us his great and precious promises. So not only has he supplied what you lack and you need, he's given you promises to keep you focused. I love a promise. When I was a kid, Christmas, birthdays, other things, promises really excited me and kept me focused as a kid. Because as a kid, my focus was useless. It's not so brilliant now, but as a kid, my focus was useless. So mom used to dangle the carrot in front of me. If you do this, I promise. Because I could always go back to my mom and say, well, you promised. And then she would, she would say to me, but you didn't read the T's and C's. The terms and conditions. I'm not interested in the terms and conditions. I heard the promise. She said, no, all promises come with terms and conditions. God's word comes with terms and conditions. If you will, then you have the right to expect. If you don't do this, that's not going to go well for you. If you do this, this could go bad for you. But if you do this, this could go good for you. You must know the terms and conditions. How do we know that? Through our knowledge. Through our knowledge of God, we get to know what is supplied. We get to know that what we can ask for, how we're supposed to ask for it, and how we should expect it. This is what he does. He supplied it to us. Through these, he has given us great precious promises so that through them, here's the key thing, so that through them you may participate in what? In the divine nature. God has a nature that is divine. Every one of us has a nature in this room. Some of us are cheeky. Some of us are hard-faced. Some of us are soft-faced. Some of us are numb. Some of us are desensitized. But we all have a nature, right? And on any day, we can be all them. True? On any one of them, any good day, any given day, we can be all them. However... Your nature is supposed to look like his nature. Your nature has got to conform to his nature, not to the pattern of this world. Because this world has a nature, and this world frightens me. When I think of raising uh, grandkids, and I think of this world, and I think of the next 10 years, 15 years, what they're going to be exposed to does not bear thinking about. It takes me all my time to control and, and avert my eyes from some stuff. We've, we've almost like we've, everything, that was sacred, everything that was sacred is no longer sacred. I saw a picture on Facebook yesterday and it was uh, in Australia and they were walking past, everybody know what Uluru is? The rock. Ayers Rock, thanks Phil. Ayers Rock, they call it Uluru by the indigenous people. And they say, now they put fences around. You could say, let's say Stonehenge. Everyone knows Stonehenge. Right, what they've done is got a picture of Stonehenge and then we've got LBTI. And it's got, they put a fence around it so you cannot walk on what's sacred. But then there is no fence around what's marriage. So they're saying it's amazing how we, we will preserve history but we won't preserve the future. Yeah? This world has a nature. 
And everybody wants to be free to do what they want. But if you're free to do what you want, you'll end up going to a place called decline. You'll destroy yourself, you'll derail, you'll, de- you'll distract, you'll delude yourself that it's okay. Just because it's available doesn't mean to say you should touch it. And this is the point we have. And God wants us to participate in his divine nature. It's not just know God, it's participate. Yes? So to participate means I need to get involved. I need him involved in me and I need to be involved in him. So I can participate of his divine nature. I participate of my lady's nature. Why? Because we've got a covenant. It's called marriage. She has certain expectations. I have certain expectations of each other within that context of a covenant. And I should be able to hold Carol to some degree to account and vice versa. Why? Because that's the covenant we made. Amen? So, God must be able to hold you account. I know that's all gone quiet now, hasn't it? Nobody likes that idea. What? I need to be accountable. Yes, you need to be accountable. I'll give you another one you're not going to like. God expects you to be transparent. Who with? Him, yourself, and others. Well, I don't want other people knowing my business. That's not transparency. That's not what we're saying. Put it all out there. But you see, on the internet, we want to become transparent on the internet. We want to tell everybody what we're doing, where we've been, what's happened. But we don't know how to talk in front of people. So we partake and participate of the wrong kind of nature. The world has a nature. Yeah? And God, let's finish this verse off. He wants us to participate in the divine nature. Why? And escape the corruption in the world. What, 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 what evil? Caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Wow. All that came out of one verse. About one portion of scripture. I don't know about you, but from time to time, I feel I need to escape. And I don't mean from you lot. I need to escape some corruption that's trying to take hold of my mind. Yeah? And my heart. And I have to find an exit door to get away from those evil desires that would corrupt me. I'm aware. Thank God I have a conscience. Thank God I am alive and I've got a conscience. So that there's... But I can switch that off. And I want to be steered by the Holy Spirit so that I am moved away from an evil conscience. I am moved away from desires that I shouldn't have. Why? Because I want to keep myself clean. Amen? Why? Because I am conscious that if I'm going to taste God, I will see the God I taste. If I'm going to taste some evil or I'm going to taste some wicked, corrupt desires, I'm going to follow that pursuit. I'm going to see something at the end, which I might not want to see. And it concerns me greatly. It concerns me for my children. It concerns me for you, the church. It concerns me for for my family. uh, Because we have to escape some stuff. You might be in work, and some people are having a conversation, and you're aware, I don't belong here. 
I don't belong in this conversation. How do I escape it? Well, don't run like a nutter. Don't run and go, oh! No, no, that would be most unwise. Just, just kind of find an exit. Just kind of, I've got to go, got to go to the toilet. Oh, I've got to go to the toilet. It's good, that. I've got to go to the toilet. Where you just been? Yeah, I've got to go again. The river's flowing within me. Yeah? Make somebody, get, get out of there. Get out of there. Or if you're bold enough. Depends who it is. So a huge part of us being a partaker of this divine nature is that you and I must constantly be awakened to God. Awakened to God. Now, we've spent a lot of time talking about being awake and how God is reawakening love, how love has to be kept awake because familiarity puts love to sleep. And give me another word surrounding familiarity. I don't know another word to use. Familiarity, I don't know. Oh, that's good enough. That'll suffice. That'll suffice. Complacency, yeah. These put love to sleep. Routine can sometimes put you to sleep. You got to do, they say when you go to the gym, change your routine. Because your body does not respond to the exercises if you do it in a routine manner. So if you do like, the, you get on the treadmill and go the running, you do the jogging. Sometimes they say, just do a couple of minutes and sprint like the clappers. Yeah. Why? It shocks the heart, tires the legs, but it also burns calories in a way that it didn't do if you ran for an hour. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, good news is, shorter exercise is better for you than longer exercise. Wow. Really? Yeah. So if you run for the bus in the morning, it's not a bad thing. If you run for your bacon sandwich, that might have a double negative. <laughs> God wants us to be awake so that we are awake to the evil desires trying to stop you from tasting. For, because from the tasting comes the seeing. Eve, when she bit the apple, she saw. Amen? So... Go back here a second. So we'll go to Isaiah 46. Let's go to Isaiah. And he says this in Isaiah 46, 3. Listen to me. I'm going to put our church's name in there. You can put your own name in there just so that we can make it contemporary. Listen to me, old dream center. All who you remain... Oh, say, put your name in first, and then we'll put the name of the church in. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all you who remain in the house of the Dream Center. You whom I have upheld since you were conceived. And I have carried you since birth. Even to your old and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I've made you. I'll carry you. I'll sustain you, and I'll rescue you. That's a good deal. That is a good deal. Now remember, this is the divine nature that Israel was feeding from. Yes? This was the God 
that Israel was feeding from and still is feeding from. Albeit, she feeds in part. So the divine nature has always been there. And generations and generations and generations have been tapping into this divine nature for centuries. All those who know God have been able to tap in. And God's divine nature has been able to sustain whole civilizations, whole generations of people. And I have every confidence that it will sustain ours. And it will sustain us in our house. But listen to what he says. I, listen to me, O house, who remain in, uh, sorry, all you who remain in the house. Now, there's the key word, remain. You've got to be part of something. You've got to be part of a house. You've got to be part of a family. You've got to be part of a dynasty, a heritage that's connected to this divine nature. And when you're in that part, listen to what he says, the promise he gives you is incredible. And first of all, he says, I've upheld you since you were conceived. Wow. I know, I know the amount of times my mother has battered me. And I say that in all sincerity. She wasn't an abuser. She just knew how to smack me. And there's a difference. She knew how to make me see stars. She knew how to make me see sense. She knew how to give me wisdom. You know, I listened to me, mum, but I didn't obey her. I just didn't listen to me, dad. I suppose neither did I obey him, neither. But my mum had a way of making me see some stuff that my dad didn't. Mothers have, a, have that way, don't they? Dad will go straight to authority. Mum will go to reason. She'll explain. Dad says, why? Because I'm dad. Shut up. Why? Because I'm dad. Shut up. No, that's great. Mum will say, leave him as your dad. So you've established as your dad. But the mum will come, come round you and say, why didn't he say that? Because he's your dad. <laughs> Mum has a great way of talking to kids. And she's a great mediator. And then she says, leave him. I'll have a word with him later. I've upheld you since you were conceived. Is that not a parent's role to uphold you from the moment you're conceived? That's where we get created, we carry, and we care for. We care and we carry what we create. And he says this, I've, I've, I've carried you since your birth, even to your old age and grey years. I may, I'm still doing that with my kids. I'm still carrying them. Seriously. With my grey hairs. They give me the grey hairs. But I'm still carrying my kids. Why? Because that's what parents do. Parents will never stop carrying their kids. Now, I'm not saying let the kids abuse you. But our heart, you never stop. There isn't a day, even when my kids are married and got their own children, I don't stop being dad. Why? Their need of dad might diminish, but they still need a dad. Because if I've raised him properly, he should be able to do things, or she should be able to do things. But they still need the bridge. Amen? It's a beautiful transaction, that, when kids interrelate with the parents and parents can interrelate with the children when they're growing older. Yeah? It's not that we've got all the answers. It's just that we've got all the answers. <laughs> we've got the answers. doesn't mean to say we're all wise. We just know how not to do some stuff. 
as well as know how to do some stuff. So I've upheld you in your grey hairs because you gave them me. I am he who will sustain you. I've made you. I'll carry you. I'll sustain you. And I'll rescue you. That is a pretty good deal. I want to know that God. I want to know that God. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, this is how we can know this God. This is the pathway now into being sustained. If God's going to sustain us, God has a way. Hello? God has a way that you must be sustained. It's not something that just, there's things you have to do in order for God to work with you. Remember what I said, you have to partner with the divine nature. You have to partner. So then he says here, you know this verse, like newborn babies. So we start with babies. Now, spiritually speaking, a baby is the moment you become a Christian. It is not relating to your age. It's relating to your knowledge of God. The lack of knowledge you have in God. So you've met Christ, but you know nothing about him other than that he's he's forgive you and he loves you. That's great. That's wonderful. That got you into salvation. But now he wants you to partake of him. And in order to partake of this divine nature, there's some things that you will need to know. Okay? So then he says, like newborn babies, crave pure Spiritual milk. Just pause there a second. Pure spiritual milk. Crave it. So there has to be an intense desire. Yes? An intense desire has to be within you to crave for the milk. What's the milk? The milk is an illustration of God's word. And anything to do with God, it has to come to you in simple form So you can start to receive and understand how God thinks and how God moves. Yes? So we make it really simple so that as you begin to partake it, you then grow. Yes? We understand the principle of you don't give a baby, unless you come from Drawlsden, a sausage roll. (laughs) But most mothers give it a sausage roll. It's called the, (laughs) the Manchester Dummy. Instead of giving it a dummy, we give it a sausage roll in the morning. How many mothers do you see taking the kids to school with the kids chomping on a pasty or a sausage roll? Yeah? Greg's found a new market there, didn't they? I don't know, just shove it in the mouth. You know, Greg's got, we're in trouble this week because they, they put a sausage roll instead of Jesus in the Advent calendar, quite rightly as well. So... I'm sure, that, I'm sure they did it for a laugh, but it might have backfired. Well, it did backfire on them. Newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that it, so by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now, the problem is with most Christians. Let me just make this little statement here. Most Christians that I'm beyond milk, this is the first deception that most Christians make. Well, I've been a Christian a long time. I've heard a lot of stuff. I'm beyond milk. I beg to differ. I beg to differ. Now you see, if milk has been taken, growth will instantly take over. Bones will become strong. The child will become strong. And there's evidence sign that the child is now walking. It can hold itself up, herself up. And you see evidence signs. Now, there are some Christians 
uh, who have been Christians a long time, but they can't stand up. They can't hold themselves. They can't hold themselves together emotionally. They can't hold themselves together psychologically. They can't hold themselves up spiritually. So they still, something's gone wrong. The milk was contaminated somewhere down the line. But they think, I don't need milk. I beg to differ. So like, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you might grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You grow up because you've tasted something. And as you taste, you see. And as you see, you appreciate. So what does mom say to you? The classic one, eat the carrots. I don't eat carrots. For all these rabbits that have eaten carrots, why is there so many splattered on the road? That's my theory. However, she says, eat the cabbage, because greens are better. Cabbage, sprouts, asparagus, green beans. Everything that's green that you don't like, I found a cure for. It's called mashed potatoes and gravy. Everything goes under the volcano so that you can mix it in with the spuds and you can get the stuff down. It's my version of telling myself I've not eaten it, but it's there because I know it does me good. I actually now like broccoli. I still don't like sprouts. I like asparagus. I like most things green. I do. I just don't like carrots. They're not green. Thank you, David. They're not green. Now, you see, you'll go far. You will go far. (laughs) So you eat the stuff that you know doesn't taste good, but you know it's good for you. And that's... Very often with God's word, there's a lot of stuff that we don't like to do, but we know it's good for us. Like praying, like reading God's word, like giving, like sowing and reaping. Oh, we like the reaping part, I know that. There's many things we don't like doing, but they're good for us. Yes? And the Bible tells us to find out what pleases the Lord. So as we we find out what pleases the Lord, we taste, and as we taste, we see. And as we see, we understand. And as we understand, we grow in our knowledge. Taste, see, understand, improve your knowledge. Taste, see, improve your knowledge. Understand, improve your knowledge. So it starts with the milk. So he says, first of all, in that, in, from Isaiah, he says, let's go back to Isaiah 63, uh, 46, 3. Let me pick up some points here. So we said the milk now is an issue. Listen to me, listen to me, he says, to the Israelites. Listen to me. How many parents are crying out to their children, will you just listen to me? But as the kid gets older, as the children get older, they have a will of their own, and they too have knowledge, and they too have experience. Yes? What they don't have is wisdom. Because the Bible clearly tells us wisdom is not on the young. I don't want to say there's some smart young people. There is. There's a lot of young people. But wisdom is not something that's given to young people. Unless you call Daniel. Meshach and Shadrach. But the Bible tells us wisdom is something that, you know, at what point you start growing wisdom, I don't know what the age is. You don't get a birthday card saying, now you've arrived. You're smart. 
But God God specifically wants your attention. This is what he's saying. Listen to me. I want your attention. Why does he want your attention? Because he wants to transmit his word and his thoughts to you. If you don't pay attention, if you don't listen and pay attention, then what God says cannot be carried and interpreted and partook of. How you listen to what I'm saying this morning will determine what you can take away. True? So he says, pay attention. He wants his word and his thoughts to become as precious to you as they are to him. You know, when I look at my, I, I say the grandkids now because you get, a, you get an affection with your grandkids that you don't get with your kids. Um, hey? <laughs> yeah, you like them, yeah. <laughs> when, I, when I look at my grandkids and, and they look at me and, you, and you're sincere and you say, look, listen, granddad's got something to say to you now. And they look at you. And you're not quite sure they're listening. So you keep saying, no, listen, listen, granddad's got something to say. You want, you want to emphasize something to him. Why? Because you feel at that point it's particular, uh, what's the word? It's important. And you don't want them to miss the opportunity to learn something so you can protect them. Yes? And you want, because these are memories, and then what later on, as they live in, as they, as they grow up, they'll always say, I always remember what my granddad said. He said, don't listen to your nana. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> he said, <laughs> I always remember what my granddad said. I always remember what my nana said. I always remember. Why? Because they were key moments when they partook of your nature. Yes? So the first key is you have to listen. If you don't listen, you can't partake. This is what he was saying to Israel. The next thing he says, you whom the Lord has upheld since you were conceived, as I have carried you since birth. I, I shudder to think the accidents I've had on a motorbike. It's amazing I'm still here. How I wrote a vehicle off with my head. The very moment, within an hour of me passing my bike test, motorbike test, I don't mean the little scooter, I mean the the big ones, right? The moment I passed my bike test, I was involved in an accident. I was all giddy. I was running back to tell the world I'd passed first time. And I pulled out. Tanya Brow, I don't know if you know, some of you know Tanya Brow, didn't look what was, oh, the road was, you know, the road was up and they put those big planks in it to support the road. And I didn't see this car came around it and bang. And my head just went doosh right into the grill, wrote the front of the car off. And I wonder, I've, now it was always, now I'm glad I was thick yeah. at that time of my life because there was nothing in my head, so there was nothing there to stop it. Right? And, God, and I'm thinking to, to this day, there must have been an angel. The type the scrapes I've been in, I should be D-E-A-D. Deed. But God kept me. And I guess you could all say the same. Could all say the same. And God has kept me from the day I was born. When I was not aware of God, I was not aware of his hands, I was not aware of how he worked, God was moving in on me. 
Amen? That's what I love about, and that's, that's why we do things for our kids. Even when our kids are not conscious of the things we do, we still do it. So there'll come a point when one day when they will become conscious. And then they will then mirror that pattern. Yes? So, the Lord who has upheld since the day you were conceived and I carried you from birth. God wants you to understand that you and him have meaningful, significant history. God wants you to understand that you and him have meaningful, significant history. Though you've not always known him, he has always known you. This is a very important aspect of you drawing on God and partaking of his nature. He's been here long before you. But guess what? Let's just say, let's just say, for instance, I know this is not the, the truth, because God's been around a lot longer than I'm saying that. God's always been there. My head can't compute that, but that's the truth. Let's just say the world's 7,000 years old, example, because that's a number we can work with, seven. From the moment God created the earth, he saw you. 7,000 years, and how many people have been on planet, planet earth? We can't count. Only God knows the amount of people that's been on planet earth. But yet God knew you and saw you in your mother's womb. Only a God can do that. And God preserved you. And so many other children didn't make it. And we didn't all arrive here in the perfect package. There's millions and millions and millions of babies now being born in war-torn countries. In nations that have no running water, no electricity, no... um, access to medical treatment, and the next door neighbor is the one delivering the baby. So it's an imperfect world. But you got here. You should have been, but you wasn't. Your mother went for abortion, but you didn't get, she didn't get the abortion. God was always on the case. You and God have a significant history. Amen? Isn't that a good thing? Why? Here's the word, and I'm not being crude by saying this. God offered you his breast when you hadn't even learned to suck. God offered his breast before you even learned to suck. Whoa. Now, don't think in terms of male and female. God, as the nations, he fed the nations on his own breast, metaphorically speaking. Metaphorically speaking. He fed them. True? And you were feeding unconsciously from that breast. Come very quiet, though. Fellows are going, I don't like the idea of that. Well, that's true. Man up, soldier. Man up. Then he says this. Even to your old age and grey hair, I'm just glad I've got some at my age. I don't care what colour it is. I've still got it. These old fellas that have their hair dyed, all these colours, they're just showing off. Just be content you've got hair, guys, at this age. Even at your old age, I am he who will sustain you. God is still sustaining me. God is still sustaining this house. Why? Because we fed from the breast. It's not chicken breast. It's God's breast. Why? Because 
we've still continued to draw pure milk. We're capable of much more. But we know how to draw what we need from our Father. Hello? This is important that we see God is trying to raise nations by his own breast. God is trying to raise churches by his own breast. God is trying to raise individuals by the breast of the Lord. That's how you get pure spiritual milk from the word. He transfers transfers his thoughts to you. His wisdom, his knowledge, understanding. That comes from the pure milk of the word. Yes? See, if I say meat, none of us... Let me rephrase that. Let me apologize. It's not none of us. Many of us don't understand what meat is. Just like we don't understand what milk is. So let's just stay with milk for a second. Now I know milk, naturally speaking, a baby can only take milk for so long. And then it has to transition into other solids. Right? But there is something that must always be flowing to us. And I'm using that word milk. Okay? So they say, well, I'm not in a milk church. No, there are milk churches. And there are meat churches. But even the meat church must supply milk. But not all milk churches can supply meat. There's a big difference. <coughs> but the trouble is, most Christians don't know what church they're in. They don't know if they're drinking milk or meat. But you can't drink meat, can you? So even to your old age... Now, here's the thing. If God can get his promises to you and his word to you, and if God can get his promises inside of you and get them through you, so first of all, to you, inside you, through you, he can upgrade you, update you in order to sustain you. So if God can get his word to you, And it gets in you and through you with his word. He can upgrade, update in order to sustain. That's why precious to me are your thoughts, O God. I tasted and I saw. The moment I saw it, I was upgraded. And I might need to hear some stuff to be updated. But I might need to partake of some things in order to be upgraded. Hello? Some people only want updates. God wants to upgrade and update. What good is it? See, first of all, they tell you on your phone, they update you that there's an update. True? And they update you about upgrades on the market. Why don't you try the new Galaxy Samsung, da-da-da, da-da-da, or the new iPhone, or whatever other phone's out there, you get an update on your phone advertising you that other products are available. Now, you go and buy it, the latest phone, that's you being upgraded. True? But then you need to be updated out of work, the upgrade. And it's easy to turn around and say, I'll stick with me wind-up phone. I know how it works. Yeah, the fact that it doesn't work. And then you try and tell people, but you know if you had a smartphone, you could have internet access. What? Internet, what's that? 
You could text. You could do this. You could do that. You've got apps. What's an app? Some people don't even know what an app is. Here's me talking like I know it all. To thine own self be true. He only knows because I told him. And then he says this from Isaiah. I've made you and I'll carry you. What a promise. These days I don't know how I got from A to B. From C to D. When my mother died, I really didn't know how I got from A to B. And then one day I had this upgrade moment and I realized it was almost like I'd been in a bubble emotionally. And I'm driving and all of a sudden I realize, how have I got through these last six months? And I just heard the Lord say to me, that's because I carried you, fella. You know when you told me round the graveyard, round the grave, you said to me, and I said this to the Lord, Lord, you say you draw close to the broken hearted. How come I can't feel you? And I wanted an instant answer to the pain I was feeling and the sadness I was going through. And I wanted him to take that away, but that's unrealistic because God doesn't do that. He said, no, some grieving's good for you because you can bring closure. And when I got through those six months and God showed me, son, I answered the prayer. I answered your prayer. I was close to the brokenhearted and I carried you for the last six months. You wanted me to take your pain away for that moment. I've had to carry you for six months, son. And I got a new understanding of how God moves. God does not, listen, God does not always feel good. God does not always feel nice. Give you another one. You know, I'm going to give you another two. God does not always feel fair. It's not fair. God says it's not about fair. It's about right and wrong, righteousness and unrighteousness. It's not always about your opinion. Your opinions shift, but mine's constant. So serving God sometimes isn't about how you feel or how it makes you feel. It's about moving and operating around truth. He's proved his truth to you many times. But if you've got a God that you keep telling, you keep asking him to jump through your hoops to keep proving himself to you, you don't know God. Because God will not do that. I said, God will not do that. So, if I've made you and I carry you, you know what we're looking at here? We're looking at the potter. The potter is the skilled one. He gets the clay. And the potter forms the clay, shapes the clay, Molds the clay. We're all happy with that principle, aren't we? But what we don't like is when the clay's useless. And useless is not that you know good, God doesn't love you. That's not useless. Let's use another word, it's called unfit. You're unfit for purpose. In other words, you won't conform, you won't yield, you won't listen, you won't take the milk. You won't do what God's asking of you. So God has to put you together and give you a little bit of a pounding. He says, son, toughen up. I'll get back to you. And he waits for the clay to cry out. And he waits for the clay to get soft in his heart 
and humble in its heart so that God can go back the maker and begin to shape his original purpose. But he has to wait for you. This is a picture of our children in our hands. We have to wait until our children are ready before we can go back and mold them and shape them. And this is how God works with his people. Yes? And I've been a tough piece of clay. And sometimes I've been a clay that's cracked. I've been a clay that's not been able to hold what God has been trying to put into it. So God has to kind of melt me down again, reshape me, put his fingers deep into me so that I can carry. I'm a vessel. You're a vessel. But we don't like this process. But you've got to taste it in order to see it. That God is good. And people say, all the time and all the times God's good. Taste it. And then when you say that, then you can say it with a different understanding. Yes? <laughs> How many of you know God is the vine dresser? He's not only the potter, he's the vine dresser. So if God dresses the vine, God knows how he wants to dress his own vine. Now, David's a, David's a bunch, a cluster of grapes. Yes? You may, Phil and Ange may be olives. Now, both of them need crushing, pressing. Grapes get walked over. Yes? But they can make good wine. They can make people happy. <laughs> yeah. That's it. And the older you keep them. But sometimes, now, are you an upright? Or are you, an, are you a lie down kind of person? Because they reckon the, the, the wines that lie down, they're the, they're the best ones. Your supermarket wines just stand up. In other words, they don't expect it to be on the shelf that long. But the real good wines are the ones you put a cork in it and you light down. That's just settling. And then they open that wine and they say, let it breathe. No, let's just get it drunk. <laughs> let's not breathe it. Let's just get it drunk. <laughs> but the thing is, is when you come to the olives, there is the first press. There is the second press of the olives. Yes? And that's how you get your virgin oil. How they press it will determine the oil. So God is the vine dresser. Depending what he's trying to create in you and through you will determine the process he has to take you through. Amen? You see this? You never take this into consideration when you're whinging. Do you? We don't. We just think it's not fair. Well, fair is not a fruit of the Spirit. Hello? Fruit, fair is not a fruit of the Spirit. So quit saying it's not fair. God says, you're absolutely right. End of. So God's, God's the potter. God's the vine dresser. Why? Because he wants you to blossom and grow. Though many of you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, did not God carry you? It was a shadow of death, not the real thing. That's the God who carried, who promised, I'll carry you, I'll sustain you. Though you walk through times of the valley of the shadow of death, it's very real, isn't it? Very real, very painful, 
But it's also coming out of it, you realize, you look back, you think, God, had you, if I had not known you, I would never have got to where I, have, I am now. Listen, we've, many of us have all had this experience of walking through that valley. Yes? God has been very clear. You know what God says? He says, it's all right, son. I know what you're going through. I've got your back. If you fall down, I'll catch you. If you fall down, I'll catch you. If you fall over, I'll carry you. Either way, I've got your back. When you know God is with you, you always know that you're never on your own. It's a beautiful comfort and it's a, it's a great peace to know that when I stand here, I know God's with me. He stands with me. Now, the moment I say I can go on my own, he says, go on then. See how far you can get. I don't want to go on my own. I've never wanted to go on my own. I want to stay with God. I know what's good for me. I'm your father, son. I'll carry you as long as you keep looking to me. And I'll sustain you. And I'm dressing you, son. Even now you're old. I know you can dress yourself, but I'm the vine dresser. And the moment you don't look, the moment you don't reflect what I'm trying to build in you is the moment I'm going to do some pruning. It's going to hurt, son. So stand still. And I've just one sharp jab. Then I've been a lot of, oh, ah, 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 don't, no, not now. Just stand still. Let me do it. Let's get it out of the way. Amen? And then he says this to Israel, I'm going to sustain you and I'm going to rescue you. Oh, there's times when you will need rescuing from yourself and your stupidity and your lack of wisdom. And God says, I'll rescue you. It's not always about when someone's trying to attack you. We have to see the broader sense of that word rescue. There's many times when I have to be rescued from myself and from decisions I'm about to make. And had God not spoke, I would have taken the wrong decision. The house I've got today is the result of me wanting to make a different decision. The house I bought, we wanted to make a different decision. Later on, we wanted to make a different decision. And God says, no, son, I'm teaching you something about this property. I want you to be somewhere else. And God says, no, that's not for you. This is for you. Right. I didn't see it. I thought, God, you're just being mean. You're being tight. God says, son, your dad knows what's good for you. And I'll show you in the days to come why you need this property. I thought, okay. But I didn't see that at the time. I just whinged my way on. But then I look back now I go, thank God you did this. Beautiful. So like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. And you will receive spiritual upgrades and updates. Yeah? Now let me just finish on this because time's going. 2 Corinthians 10, 14. Last scripture. Got a lot more, but we can't go there. 2 Corinthians 10, 14. I read this out when we were at the uh, Authentic Sonship the other night. He says, we're not going too far in our boasting. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 14. We're not going too far in our boasting. As would be the case if we had not come to you. For we didn't go, for we did, sorry, for we did get as far as you with the gospel of Christ. Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. 
our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our activity among you will greatly expand. So that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. You are not the final destination. You need to put, remember that. You are not the final destination of God's work. This is so, so important for us to understand in a church because in the charismatic contemporary church, most people assemble thinking it's all about them. God, you must meet my needs today. They don't want to work. They don't want to serve. They don't want to do anything else other than to make it about God. If you don't do what I expect you to do, then I'll go somewhere else. But if it's, you can't go somewhere else if it's the same God. Because withhold is still withhold. But what they're saying is, I'm not really bothered about anybody else beyond myself. It's all about me, 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 myself, and I. It's called a selfish gospel. But Paul's saying this, and here's the thought I want to put into your mind this morning. There must be a field that reaches to you. If God, if you're going to partake of God's divine nature, some ministry has to reach you at some point. The word has to reach your field. Now, you're the field. Yes? And all that's in your field, the treasure that's in your field, you have to maintain. You have to take care of you. Because in your field, there is treasure and there's also roots and unwanted stuff. Yes? And that's why you have to remain in the vine. So God can pull out the stuff Prune some stuff so that the treasure is seen. Yes? But when it comes to ministry, the reason why there is so much immaturity in the church is because their field, they won't allow anybody in their field. Does it make sense? Paul was very clear. We was working and our field reached to you. He was very clear that where his sphere of influence was taking him. And and it took him to the field of these Corinthians. And he says, "Ah, we're not boasting about work that's done over there or what they're doing. We can only boast in God about what God's doing in this field. And you're part of that field. So Paul could identify the work that was taking place in that field. If these people are to taste and see that God is good and their maturity is going to grow so that they can partake of the divine nature, then their faith has to grow. Can you see this? Their faith has to grow. Your faith has to grow. So right now, this church is a field. And you're a field within a field. So you go to work. Your level of expertise in your work is otherwise often termed as a field. I work in the field of astrophysics or whatever it is you work in. I work in the field of engineering. I work in the field of computer science. Yes? So we're familiar with careers being termed as fields. But then God says that you're a field. The world is a field. 
And it's a harvest field. Yes? And then it says the church is a field. So fields are an area where work takes place. Where there's treasure. The treasure and the junk is together. Yeah? So God has to send a word to separate the treasure from the junk. That's why he says, I want you to partake of this divine nature so you can escape the corruption of this world and its evil desires. So he's saying that even in this world, there's wheat and tares. And God has to send his word so he can separate some stuff and he can separate some things in you. That's what fathers do. So he says to Paul here, we got as far as you with the gospel. But we don't go beyond our limits. Our hope is this, and this is my hope, this is Phil's hope, this is Paul's hope, this is our leadership's hope, is our hope is this, is that as your faith continues, as you keep partaking of the divine nature, as you keep on craving pure spiritual milk, as you, as you, as you keep on doing these things, And as you continue to grow, our activity among you will greatly expand. So you are a gateway to what God can do beyond you. But if you can't take milk and you can't swallow meat, then you don't become a gateway, you become an obstacle. You become an obstacle. Now, does that mean God can't move? No, it just means he won't move through you. He, he won't, God's not going to let his plans be thwarted by one person. Satan tried to do that. He didn't stand a chance. What chance do you think you're going to do? Or I'm going to do? No. But God wants, his, God wants to expand beyond you. But God wants, listen, God wants to expand himself in you. And he supplies his thoughts and he supplies his word so it becomes as precious to you as it becomes to him. So as you partake of this divine nature, you grow. And as you grow, you escape. Amen? Let's stand to our feet, please. I trust this is making it clear. (coughs) I really want us to understand that God has supplied everything you need. But what God can't do is partake it for you. God as a supplier supplies it so that you can partake it. If you partake it, then you too will come to the same place. But if you don't, you know how many babies do not want to be fed? They turn away, but mum just keeps there with a spoon. She plays with the spoon until she ca- what she tries to do is divert the child so it's looking that way and boom. Yeah? That's what they do, force feeding. God's not going to force feed you. God isn't that kind, a person. God says, taste and see. 
And there's a difference there, taste and see. And sometimes when you've got the child and you've got, let's just say it's got its main course, its beans or whatever it is, and it's all mashed up and looking gooey and ugh. And the kid's, no, 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 no. And all of a sudden you give it a, you give it a spoonful of his dessert. And all of a sudden he goes, boom, this is different. Boom, get it in. You've changed the diet. You've changed the food. But guess what? We can't change the food. This is, this is the danger. To get people to eat, we change the diet. And we can't do that in church. We can only raise you on the word that's God's given us. We cannot dilute so that you can all go goo, 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 goo. We're not meant to be going goo, goo. Or Google. We're meant to be mature. But like new born babes crave. Like newborn babes. Like the emphasis, like. Like babies. Didn't say be babies. Like babies. Use the analogy of a child. Look how a child eagerly eats. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. Unless you become like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. It didn't say become children. Become like a child. The child's nature is to be simple, to trust in. To be believing, innocent. Amen? So, Father, just say, come before the Lord, if you will, and just say, Lord, I need this nature. I need this nature more and more in me to partake of your divine nature. You're trying to supply everything to my life. And there's times, oh God, when I just don't understand and, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I've not escaped some, some stuff because some stuff is always fighting inside of me. So, oh God, raise me. You said you will carry me. You said you'll sustain me. You've got me back. Let me just read that scripture. What he said to Israel. Oh, listen to me. And put your name in there. All you who remain in the house of the dream center. You whom I have upheld since you were conceived. The moment you gave your life to Christ. And I've carried you since birth. Even to your old age and gray hairs. I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I've made you. I'll carry you. I'll sustain you. And I'll rescue you. You can't get a father any more consistent and meaningful than this one. I, I love this father. I know this father. And this father wants you. So father, right now I pray for everyone in this room. First of all, Lord, I pray that you take the veil off their eyes and let them see what you're trying to supply to them for their lives. Father, you're a good God. You're a loving God. You're a God that will carry, sustain, lift. You're a God that will, will, will sustain us even in our, our old age, from, from the cradle to the grave. Lord, you said you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. These are your promises that you want us to live by. You also, oh God, want us to partake of your divine nature. So Lord, I pray you open every eye in this place, every heart to see that, that as a good father, you're trying to supply things to our life. That, oh Lord, if we don't upgrade and update our lives, we will never be the true partakers. And oh Lord, then the work amongst us will always be limited. 
and the work through us will always be contained. Father, I ask this week to sovereignly pull back the covers of our lives. I pray for the vine dressers to go to work. I pray for the, the, the potter to go to work. And I pray, oh God, that your children will rise in maturity. I pray, oh God, God with us, God for us. Nothing can separate us. In Jesus' name, how great you are. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Amen.